1: Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch, my name's Windy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi, hello Bardi. Hello Windy. And our tactics guy and a man who would put Arteta right back in his box. Get
2: back in your Nathan box, a. Clark. Get back in your <laughs> box. I
1: ended up, I having
2: previously paid eight quid for access to watch it on Spurs' channel, I ended up missing the game live and had to watch it back. When I watched it back, the only thing I could find was the Arsenal coverage. And I was thinking, oh God, oh no, this is mm-hmm. going to be terrible. Cause having previously watched you know, MUTV and Chelsea TV and stuff like that. But they're actually fine, and they're actually they're on Hoybjerg's side for putting Arteta back in his box. So shout what? out to, to yeah yeah yeah, shout out to to Arsenal's in-house coverage for being surprisingly unbiased and reasonable on most things.
1: I would not want our commentators to do that. <laughs>
0: I want them to be as biased as possible. <laughs> They they were pretty biased, and they were. I just didn't like the way they were so chummy chummy with the players and calling them by their nicknames. <laughs> yes. It was just a, it was a little bit cringe. It was like your dad <laughs> trying to chat to your mates in the car. It was Yeah, they were a little bit biased, like Arsenal got control of the ball, etc. But they, they weren't as they weren't as bad as I expected. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm i
1: I'm, I'm all for club commentators going all in on the bias. Like, why why would you not? it's just it's more fun for the people watching. Uh yeah well and we'll do lots more chat about the pre-season friendlies in very soon. Um first up Nathan's Brian Heal video got released on our Patreon this week and Nathan um you said afterwards that oh Maybe I accidentally wasn't as enthusiastic as I actually am.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think like because uh, I I set aside the time to record the video and I and I stuck with it and I just sort of wasn't in the mood. I wasn't in a good headspace when I recorded and I didn't actually realise that at the time. And then people afterwards gone. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm really. I was, I was I was expecting to be more optimistic about him. I think. Yeah, no, I am. But I just I watched the video back and I'm just sort of like not in a great mood and it comes across like I don't like the play. So when I say like uh, when I say like uh, he's talented. But I have like some concerns about our utilization of him. What I mean is, like, he's talented, but I have some concerns about our utilization of him. You know, <laughs> um, so uh, just, just if you haven't watched it yet, if you're about to watch. it, just sort of like whatever I say, just turn it up like a notch on, on the positivity. <laughs> all right,
1: <laughs> he did some good things in the uh, in the the recent Spain Under mm, Twenty Three match. Still he, medalist, he's, yeah, he he played well. He hit the bar with an absolutely crashing drive from distance. He got the pre-assist for. The goal, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, th- I think is a good signing. I'm pretty optimistic about <laughs> how this one turns out. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the Kuti Romero video is coming up soon, I assume.
2: I think so. I think this week, later this week, I have most of the clips that I want for that. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting one. I do have a lot to talk about with him. I think uh, hmm, pause for dramatic effect. Um... <laughs> He is, I think he is a bold transfer at his price. I think he is a, my, and I, I still haven't finished watching everything I want to watch Uh, and and coming to my conclusions, but my feeling at this moment, having sort of done most of the the, the homework I want to do is that this is a, this is a very high risk, high reward player uh, and a very high risk, high reward
1: transfer at the price that we have put up for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think I sort of see that from the little I've seen of his style mm. and uh I'm expecting lots of free kicks around the edge of our box um as a result of the way he wants to get the ball first before every player. I mean he just that's his he, he just wants to be there. He wants to be going through players to get to the ball sometimes, which is gonna be a problem in the Premier League for sure. Uh <laughs> I mean but I'm we, fine with we- it.
0: We do have a problem that our defenders usually go through forwards in the box. Yeah, so. at least, at least <laughs> they'll be further away. Exactly. Not, I, yeah, so that's an improvement. That's a marginal gain there, so that's all right. <laughs> He's a big
1: signing, though. I mean, big, big, big money for um, a 23-year-old who's essentially had one like elite season. Uh, that, Like Nathan says, that's that's a bold move. I like it. I'm, I'm down with it. yeah hmm. um, and the other thing, uh, the other big thing on our Patreon this week was that Bardi and I did a live Q&A yesterday. Thank you to everyone who who joined us. One of our biggest um, live audiences to date. It was lots of fun. There were some hot takes. Uh, Bardi made some hot takes. Uh, Deo made some, some hot takes. Uh, a nuclear episode all around, really. Yeah, absolutely. We, we spoke a lot. So about the time we were about to go live the story broke about Lautaro or Lautaro?
0: I'd go Lautaro.
1: Lautaro Martinez. Uh, the story broke that we were, you know, in advance talks to signing, we had a fee agreed. Uh, so we, st- we we quickly like put together a bit of extra research and we spoke about him for about 15 minutes. And then someone said, oh, by the way, it looks like it's off. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, yeah, we killed that one. In the same way that Nathan managed to kill all of our manager links... Mm-hmm. Bardi and I killed the Martinez link dead, although to be honest, I reckon it still might happen I <laughs> think this is a i think this is a bargaining position isn't it? the 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 like
2: the reporting in England is like we've agreed a fee but he doesn't want to come to us and the reporting in Italy is that he's desperate to come to us but there's no possible close to agreement on the fee so like between everything you read he both is already signed and has absolutely no chance to <laughs> come, I don't, it's, it's, it's a very confusing one, it kind of seems like the chronology is that like we actually made the bids like last week or the week before or something and they accepted sort of preliminary acceptance like yes, that would be a reasonable figure, and then they sold Lukaku, and then maybe they don't need to sell anyone else because they they've raised some funds on that, and, and things are a bit up in the air. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll kind of see with this one. Um, he's a good player, and mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, I guess we'll wait. We'll see if we'll see if um, we'll see if there's more to discuss next week. I guess on this one.
1: Yeah, I think we we wait to see what happens, and then we go deep we go deep on him when it does happen. I mean, I think I don't think it is that much money, if I'm honest. Okay. Um I think it's just a, it's, it's a modern football fee for a young talented mm. player.
2: What I will say about him uh, along with the other fours we've been linked to. And we sort of said this before, is that like, this is very much a plays in a front too, right? This is very much your, your kind of your little man to play or your big man. Um, Vlahovic is obviously quite tall, um, but he's, he's the, he's the, he's the legs. He's the runner in behind Martinez is, is, is is all legs. He's, he's, he's extremely um, uh, aggressive on and off the ball. Uh, So I mean, maybe that's just and that does kind of match with like the profile of Ford that Nuno has preferred historically. Um, but it also seems like these are players to play with Kane rather than in place of him, um, which, is, which is the rumors coming out of like, uh, you know, journalists who have links into our club. But what I'm saying is that that is like matched by the players (laughs) themselves, you know.
1: Sure, but I mean that is also the kind of thing that a a club wanting to achieve maximum value would say, isn't it? You know. Yes. You're telling the selling club we're not going to have the Kane money because he's staying, and you're telling Man City Kane's staying, so you're you're therefore forcing the price up in one direction, down in another um that's not to say it's not true and I think Martinez absolutely uh is a is a player that is better in a two although when I did a bit of a dive in the numbers not at all bad and he was up front by himself either but like I said we we will go deep on him should we sign him um I wanted to Nathan I wanted to pick up on the 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 analysis you did of Lucas in the last Hmm. episode yeah. Before I do that, I should probably mention it's patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. I always forget to say that. Uh, we're nearing a thousand patrons now, which that's, is. That's ridiculous. Is ridiculous. Sorry, we don't deserve that. <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> Refund for everyone. <laughs>
2: Barney is grimacing at my, my arm selling here.
1: I mean, to be fair, if I wasn't like the host of this podcast, I think I would sign up for the Patreon. Oh, bless you. I think it's good. I think it's really good. <laughs> like, I really love Nathan's videos. I love the community. I love Discord. Yeah. Uh, it's cool.
2: I feel I feel more and more like, I feel less and less like... We create a product and people sign up to it. And more and more, like I'm just a member of a community with an assigned 100%, 100% role. Hundred you know?
1: percent. I mean, you're the moderator, and that's it. You're not. <laughs> yeah. you know? Some of some of them don't even like the podcast, and that's not even the saturation. <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's the in joke. That's their funny joke. Yeah, um, it's good. It's a good place. Uh, yeah. So, so your your Lucas analysis, Nathan. Um, mm. I liked Harry B's Harry Brooks's. Um, will come back on that on Twitter I don't know if you had time to see that so Harry said that he really enjoyed the analysis he disagrees on one part which is he thinks Lucas can essentially do do his thing or not do his thing against any level of team it's simply a case of his spatial awareness being terrible
2: yeah yeah I think that's fair enough yeah because we have seen him you know have great games against great sides and we have Mm. seen him drop like a four out of 10 against league one sides. I I definitely think that there's a correlation, like the more, the more space there is, which you're going to see against weaker sides. Um, or the more time there is, which you're going to see against weaker sides, um, the better he's going to fare. But like, yeah, he's he's always going to be very up and down, regardless of who he's playing against, for sure.
1: It was really funny that, like, almost as soon as you said those things, Lucas was so Lucas in the, the next match, the next day. Oh yeah, um, yeah, he would need Lucas himself like he'd never Lucas before. <laughs> um but he's been really I like he has been really impressive in pre-season on the on the most part. Um yes. so yeah, you can't sort of blame Nuno if he then goes and starts the first 10 matches of the season which he probably will. Um one other thing before we get into the football, I just want to briefly touch on that happened sort of after um we recorded last week. There was this sort of storm with Talk Sports and an anti-Semitic comment that made it onto not the live radio show but the the stream of the show, the the video version of the show. Um and I don't think I really want to to wade in too much on the anti Semitism debate because I'm not a Jewish person and I feel like there are there are much stronger, better voices to do that. But I just wanted to say, just send some solidarity to our Jewish fans, Jewish listeners. I know that a lot of them found that whole thing really difficult, and no doubt, no, you know, it was clear why they found it so difficult. It was horrific that that was um, aired in some way, if not live on the show. Um, yeah, uh, so solidarity, solidarity to you if, if you were, if you, if you felt that, as I'm sure many did. Um, let's talk, let's talk pre season football. So we've played Chelsea and Arsenal. I was very much against this series of games, so I, I was not keen on the concept of us playing two rivals in pre-season in meaningless friendlies. But I think it's fair to say they weren't meaningless to the players. There were, there were some spicy challenges going on in both games, and the players seemed really up for it. And I must say, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching both of them in the end, and it didn't bother me that uh, uh, that they were pre-season, as it turned out. Um. Bardi, any takes, any takeaways from Chelsea and Arsenal?
0: Um, I'm a bit like you. I was a bit doubtful about the the point of doing this, but I guess with um, with no um, tours happening, they kind of need money-spinning pre-season friendlies and, you know, involve very little travelling. But they were much better games than I thought. And, you know, had it been a league game, getting a 2-2 at Chelsea and beating Arsenal at home would be jumping for joy. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> so there are positives to take from both games. There are concerns from both games, but... We acquitted ourselves pretty decently, and um, I'm feeling better now about Tottenham than I was before these series of games. Mm. Yeah, me too, for sure. So,
1: um, if if you don't mind, if you just drill a little deeper. What what would you say mm-hmm. are the um, the concerns that uh, that come to mind for you?
0: Well, my concerns were the defence. Um, I was always a little bit worried about that, but I think I think the balance that Tanganga gives us at right back with Reggion is pretty good and pretty. And I like the I like the look of that. I thought Skip and Joyberg, I think I think there's something there with those two. And um Delhi has been pretty good. I've been a little bit concerned about Delhi. I thought I thought Delhi might be over as a Tottenham player. <laughs> I always like to get a bit dramatic, and uh, I've liked what I've seen from him. So, I, I, and also, Sonny through the middle has looked okay as well. So, there's positives there. There is life after Kane, even though I don't think Son through the middle is our, should be our long term solution to this. I'm pretty, pretty confident that we're we're not as bad as I as I thought we might have been.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I agree with pretty much everything you've just said there. I I really like Delhi against Arsenal. I thought that was. That was his best game of preseason. He was outstanding, in my opinion. I mean, I have had some pretty major concerns about him adapting to that role. And I've just been thinking, God, why are we persevering with Delhi deep? He's just, he's not that great at it. And it doesn't suit him. It doesn't get the best out of him. It doesn't suit the team. But he was fantastic against Arsenal. Really creative passing. Um... Got into the box loads, which I think shows that his fitness is coming on very nicely in pre-season. And he's kind of just getting into his stride. Um, Having Skip and your midfield gave him a little bit more license to burst forward. And he did that exceptionally well. Um, Should have scored two goals, but I'm not that bothered about him hitting the post with them. I'm just glad that he was in the position to get on the end of stuff. I'm much more optimistic about him playing it as part of a midfield three generally. Um, Loved watching two nutmegs as well. (laughs) The nutmeg count grows one on the left, one on the right. Gorgeous stuff. Yeah. It was a a good performance against Arsenal. Tanganga was fantastic at right back. You know, I've been very clear in the past. I think Tanganga needs to play centre back. I still believe he needs to play centre back, but (laughs) I also think he might be our best right back at the moment. Um, he was really, really impressive. And, Bardi, you, you said in the Q&A just before kick-off, a hot take about Sanchez, and you think he could end up being a good partner for Romero. Sanchez had a fantastic match against Arsenal.
0: Sanchez, is he's, he's coming back. This is the season he returns. And when we put Romero alongside him, that they're going to do things. I'm just... I'm full of confidence in that. I just think Sanchez is lacking a partner. Because for Colombia, he plays totally different. When he's got Jeremy Mina alongside him, he plays like a totally different defender, much more composed, much better... At Spurs, you know, we we know what Sanchez is. He's been wobbling all over the place. But I do believe put Romero alongside him, and we may we may have something there. But yeah, much better than anything Dyer or Rodon could muster. Sanchez, I'm all, I'm all in for the Romanchez As I'm starting to label it. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so don't sell Dave. Is my hot take. Keep him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess it depends on what offers we get for other players, because it did seem like the Sevilla-Sanchez transfer was pretty much nailed on in terms of us balancing the books this summer. Um, But but yeah, maybe not. Um, Nathan, I I thought there was much more tactical variety against Arsenal, um, and in fact against Chelsea too, certainly in the second half. Um, In terms of us showing a knack for being able to defend when Arsenal had lots of possession, we sort of bunkered in, defended deep, restricted them to long range chances, but then came out and played in the second half and there was some nice um sort of counterattacks, very quick, energetic counterattacks. What did you think tactically in these across these two games?
2: Well I mean first of all, I, I I really disliked the idea of these games. I really didn't want to see him. I was certain that there would be injuries. I thought that they weren't an appropriate—they weren't gonna be played at an appropriate pace for preseason. Chelsea game wasn't the Arsenal game was. Oddly, the the more heated of the two rivalries was the slower paced, easier, calmer, more preseason-like game for whatever reason. Um, I definitely think I probably feel better about them because of the results, which is stupid because that's not what preseason should be about. But that's fine. Um, we we didn't like it wasn't we didn't end up playing all out for the result we didn't like you know refuse to bring kids into the game if, if Chelsea bringing in their youngsters is what was a major part of us <laughs> getting a draw out of it. Um, the whole thing's kind of silly. I don't like. I still dislike the idea. I still think it's inappropriate. Um, Jack, uh, to Trunk of of Rule the Roost referred to it as the Marvelification of football, which I think is is a sport. Mm. That's accurate. That's uh, yeah. a term. So, uh, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. There weren't any catastrophic, uh, you know, preseason injuries um, or anything like that. Uh, and and we didn't lose so <laughs> so i feel like that but yeah it turns to tactics like yeah so we saw we saw more slow possession we saw more playing gradually through the lines that was more so against chelsea uh but also to an extent against arsenal um and of course we saw us yeah we saw us letting the opposition have the ball and and, and playing on the counter against arsenal um we we did a better job in that game than we had done last season under Mourinho in terms of not dropping all the way back into our box, right? Keeping out the low block mm. most of the time. But I still thought we got a little deeper than I wanted us to. I think we still got like I don't know 10, 15 yards closer towards our own goal than I would have preferred, and, and less winning the ball in front of uh, or in, in between our midfield and forwards, um, which is which is sort of the idea with, with Nuno especially. Um, and I thought that when we did get pushed very deep. The our wingers defended outside our fullbacks and we can get squashed into like a um a one which I didn't really like. I I prefer the wingers sort of inside there, and, and then move across the width as a, as a more of a unit. But uh, definitely some threatening counters, some interesting counter, which which again is kind of last season. You know, good good moments uh, and the like. I def- and I also think like you've sort of already mentioned Delhi playing as the more advanced of the midfield three, which I like, but we also saw like, we got to see skip as the number six, which I wanted to see. we got to see Bergvine on the right, which I wanted to see. We got to see Tanganga in the defensive right back that I wanted to see. So I definitely feel like, um, this was Nuno sort of been holding some of his cards close to his chest with 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 uh, not specifically selections but but specific personnel usage that he's been experimenting with, and this seemed to me uh, these the, the the decisions for the lineup in this uh, in the Arsenal game definitely seemed more like what what I wanted to see, but also what made most sense, and therefore might be what he was just sort of waiting at the last moment to sort of trial out. Um, definitely, Delhi looked like, looked looked better um, playing as the most advanced. Um, of the midfield three, I really liked seeing him get close to the goal and arrive in space and and drive attacks and do that sort of stuff. And lots of praise for Tanganga. I thought he was good. I, I wasn't completely blown away like like some people were. Uh, nice assist, all the same. The th- the thing with Tanganga and like him going on loan is like we want to bring in Tommy Yasu to play this like yeah. defensive right back role. We have a play. We, we the only player we have at the club who does that is Tanganga. He's doing it pretty well. Um, If not brilliantly, you know, so <laughs> for me, it makes so much sense to like ditch out Aurier, keep Doherty as like the, when we want to attack down the right option and then keep Tanganga as the, the alternate for Tommy Yasu as a defensive right back. He can also cover centre back as and when needed in, in, you know, in conference or whatever. Um, it seems like a weird timing to want to loan Tanganga out. This seems like a good time for him to be in the squad. Um, I don't know. Lots of takes for for two games.
0: Do you think the Do you think the fact that we're keeping we're getting we're going to loan out Tanganga is just because Nuno doesn't want to go into the season with essentially three centre backs and that many three um, right backs and that many centre backs? He's just going to he just needs to thin the squad out, and nobody wants Orier or Doherty.
2: Yes, I do think that's the case, but I think get rid of Dyer and Sanchez, basically uh mm. just do that is obviously not that easy but um yeah i would be i would be looking for freshness just generally it's not it's less about specifics of play and like what are the strengths and weaknesses of Dyer, what are the strength and weaknesses of sanchez etc it's more about like just move on with the olds and bring in the new and and that's tanganga he counts as new for you know for mm-hmm. now um uh, and look to get in minutes uh, or the, I I guess it's like he wants to go and play center back he's not going to get to play center back for us at, at this time so he has to play center back elsewhere but i would just say look take the minutes at the club playing defensive right back it's kind of like a centre back, you know, in in that that Tommy Asu type role. And then the minutes of centre back will come down the line. Um, I, th- I think I, I don't know. It's a, it's not one, but apparently he's turned down the loan anyway. So I don't really get what's up.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, if I would if I were Tanganga, I would absolutely back myself to play centre back in the Conference League and do a really good job of it, and eventually try and force myself into the first choice eleven. Um, because if you think in the Europa Conference League, we'll probably have Tanganga centre back. With Roden and then Doty right back. So Tanganga's going to get lots of games at centre back if that's the case. And I think he would impress because he's a really good player. Uh, And if he can maintain his fitness, that puts him in contention for first team centre back spot, which is absolutely up for grabs in my eyes alongside Romero. You know, there's not. He does seem to like Dyer, but um, I I do think Nuno will learn quickly that. There's not, like, much between Dyer, Sanchez, Tanganga, and Tanganga's got the much bigger upside. And Roden, you know, we really like Roden. I I would absolutely choose Roden, but it doesn't seem that's going to be the case, at least at the start of the season.
2: No, I think give that one time. And I also think, like, if we bring in Tom Yasu to to play right back, he's also going to make himself clear as a a very good defender. Sure. Um, uh, So, I don't know, if we're looking to bring in another centre-back, which apparently we are... With Roden Romero, Tanganga, Tommy someone's got to go. Someone's, I say, mm. someone's got to go, and I guess it makes sense with Tanganga in that case.
1: Yeah, but then if Sevilla come in with 25, 30 million for Sanchez, that would be very hard to turn down. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so we've covered off quite a lot in the games. There's a couple of things that I want to just touch on before we move on. The um, Celso's cameo, which I thought was pretty sweet. He looks, he looked like very that. lively uh that was that was encouraging you know obviously he's had he's had a, a busy he's had, he's had no break essentially he's had no break at all he's come straight back uh and been involved straight away do you, do you think it's a little early for him to start against city my gut feel is he'll be on the bench yeah i think so yeah mm. yeah yep. and counter to that we've not yet seen Tongi which is a, a huge shame i was really hoping he would get a, a good preseason under his belt and we'd start seeing the best of him but uh i mean it's been pretty disrupted by the fact that he's he, his partner uh, or he's become a father let's put it that way um which obviously has a, a knock-on effect presumably um and he he wasn't involved on the bench even in this one um despite the fact that we've seen him training, he was at the Open training, we know he's kind of working towards fitness. And when Nuno was asked about it, he he wasn't evasive as such. He just sort of said that he'll pick the players that are ready and the players that are, it's it's right for them to play. Um, Nathan, are you worried about Ndombele at this point?
2: Yes, but uh, I already was because I had heard things that Mm. I can't say much about yeah uh, about him potentially going um as of weeks ago so um I'm not surprised by by not seeing him much I'm obviously really disappointed but I'm also like I don't think it's like a done thing because like there needs to be a buyer and if there isn't a buyer then then there's plenty of time for things to turn around because he's a brilliant player we have a manager I think he's going to appreciate him if he gets the time with him um we have a better fitness structure that's going to suit him so um I, there's concern, but there's also optimism with with Ndombélé. Uh, but the optimism is, is sort of going to take time to have any kind of fruition. It will take like the window closing, and then and then him getting his head down and some fitness work, and then maybe by sort of November, we're we're we seeing him get regular minutes again. And I think that'll be really good. Um, I think that'll be really really good. I think that that you know finally there will be the the right situation for him to to really blossom. Uh. It's the ideal but, team shape. Yeah, the 4-3-3 is so good for him playing as the deeper as the two central midfielders playing that early pass into into areas in, in in that aggressive way that just suits him so much. Mm-hmm. Um but we need the right sort of we need the right scenarios. We need we need to keep him for the rest of the window. Um so the reports as of like a couple of hours ago that he wants out, which kind of makes sense of of, of what I've heard um and and our lack of seeing him. Um Spurs fans are angry with him for wanting out for the third time in the row but it's like at no point has, has it been good for him you know at no point has he been having a good experience at Spurs so I don't really hold that against him too much I wish that he I, I do think there's a lack of applying himself even though he wants to go and and I want to see more of that but I am I think that I think that it's it's finally gonna if he stays which I do think he will um, that there will finally be, finally be the right opportunity for him to to show us what he can really do
1: the, the thing that really bugs me about him is the um, the, the unending narrative about um, a judgment on him as a person, which I, I think is unfair. None of us know what's happening, what's going on, except for what we saw in All or Nothing. And there seems to be so many sort of so many people wanting to sort of make statements about what he's like, how he is as an individual, which is I, like just don't just. There's no need. Just See the situation for what it is and allow it to be, and then you know, we, like Nathan says, we might have a fantastic player on our hands, or, we, or he might leave, and we're all disappointed, and we think, what, what, what a waste of time and money, you know. But I don't know why there's a need to sort of write him off as an individual, as a person, and, and certainly, to me, in in my mind, it, it appears that he's under closer scrutiny than other similar players, which I
0: think is unfair. Um, Buddy, what do you think about Ndombele? I, I have my concerns about him as well. Um, and I, I agree with you, we shouldn't be making assumptions about his personality and everything else that goes on. But there is the, the glaring, there's the obvious here that it's we've gone through the pre season and he's not match fit, he's not, go, he's not gone anywhere this summer, he hasn't had the Euros, the Olympics. Uh, Copa America anything else like that and he's still not ready to play football and that's that's where the concern comes I'm basing my judgement on the fact that he's not on the bench and he's not in the starting lineup for a pre-season friendly and that is not that's not good that's not good for Tottenham it's not good for him it's not good for Tottenham and I think at some point, maybe it will happen before the deadline closes. There will be a a crisis point which will be reached, and a decision has to be made. I don't, I don't think we could go into another season with Ndombélé kind of floating around the squad. He's too good a player to to waste all that money on and waste all that time on either either he stays and he plays or he goes and we we move on i think at this point it's probably going to have to be we move on and just invest our time and effort into skip delhi and loselso because they're not bad they're not bad midfielders to Hang to on. move forward with
1: no i mean they're good they're good players i just think he's next level compared i mean he's the best of all of them yes
0: I agree I agree with you and sometimes it's about the right tool for the right job and at the moment he's he's, he's not very good he's not he's not very useful to us and I'd rather have someone who's a bit useful than someone who's not I'd love to know what Nuno thinks of him mm-hmm. and uh, the situation
1: I'd love to be able to ask that question um I mean Nathan's already hinted that we sort of had murmurings of him potentially leaving which implies to me that that Nuno isn't fully sold on him because I don't think he would even allow that Conversation to take place if he was going to make him like a, an integral part of a team, um, and that concerns me, to be honest,
0: because I do think the I mean, system
1: is ideal for him.
0: I think if Nuno were looking at it like this, if he can get money and get wages off the off the transfer bill and invest that into a play, into a position where we're a bit kind of hard up, then I think he'll do that. I think he'll move on because, like like we already mentioned, we we have plenty of cover at centre mid. Yeah, so we um, we wait with beta breath to see what happens.
1: Um, we should talk a little bit about the applause for Saka I, I am fully in favour of the way the Spurs crowd handled that I thought it was a wonderful moment um, And I want him to be booed the next time he plays Spurs Because he's an Arsenal player and I hate Arsenal uh, yeah. But I thought it was great, I really thought it was great It seemed very natural, um, not orchestrated or coordinated And that was the, the right thing to happen What do you guys think?
2: I'm not. I'm not one for for rivalries aside <laughs> sentimentality right. very much, but I I will make an exception in this case, of course. I really want him to leave Arsenal so I can enjoy him. He's, <laughs> more. he's really good, <laughs> isn't he? He's, he's so good. He comes across so well. I really liked him for England. Yeah. Um So uh, yeah, I'm 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 really I'm sort of I'm really proud as Spurs fans to be honest for that moment. Um, mm. But also yeah, boo, boo him, boo him a lot of him next time in in, in, <laughs> in season, boo him.
0: Pre-season friendly was a good way to get it to get it done and dusted. So now we don't have to worry about it. I, I personally would like to thank Saka from the bottom of my heart for missing that penalty as well. So <laughs> I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I got no grudge to hold against <laughs> him. You'd have been cheering
1: him, wouldn't you, Barney? Cheering
0: him, go Saka! I, I, I can't wait till um, United come into town, and I can do the same to um, Sancho and and uh, Rashford. I get two for one that day. <laughs>
1: Um, Nathan, I do think uh, he, he could end up leaving Arsenal sooner rather than later because he's, they're bad. They're really bad. Yeah, they're, they're, they're bad, and he's he's getting like very good very quickly, mm-hmm. um, and he'll be at a level well beyond Arsenal within a couple of years.
0: I mean, Arsenal is so bad that they our goal. If you could honestly, you could go back to the late nineties and just watch Tottenham, and that's the kind of goal we could see. Hundred percent. First of all, it was offside the first, first phase, but that doesn't matter. But then what Pepe did, and then the <laughs> Arsenal defender, what was he doing? He got the wrong side of yeah. of Tanganga, not Messi, <laughs> not Ronaldo, the wrong side of Tanganga. Then he attempted to tackle it, then he threw himself on the floor. It was like P. Gramon on Vega, who, <laughs> who's been going after Spooky and me on Twitter last week, you know. Um, so... Yeah, that was bad, and they're just not very good. And you beat Arsenal; just let them have the ball, and they'll just beat themselves. They're a terrible, terrible football team. Your manager Arteta—he's all over the place, Windy. He won't survive. <laughs> he's. Can I just draw a line with this? He's not been <laughs> my manager yeah, ever, wrong. ever. <laughs> you um, you were very—you said nice things about him at That's, the start. I'd, I thought he was—I
1: thought he was onto something, and it very quickly became clear that he wasn't. Um, and they're, they're, yeah, I think he's, he's work at the transfer market. is appalling, um, generally. Although I do really like Ben White. How
2: do you feel about our lack of possession in that game? I didn't think we had a lack of
1: possession. I, okay. I, you know, other than that half-hour spell where Arsenal uh, did have lots of the ball, I thought we were pretty dominant, to be honest. I've not seen any stats, but I would imagine we had 55% overall. I'm going to find out now. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was f- absolutely fine. I thought we... We mm-hmm. use the ball well throughout. You know, Letting Arsenal um, have the ball in those areas is not a problem to me. Uh, Lacazette fashioned a couple of long-range chances. That's not a problem. Fine. Absolutely fine with that. I mean, Arsenal's big problem is that Lacazette and Aubameyang just aren't the players they once were, and they can't possibly rely on them. I mean, maybe if Arteta finds a way to get Martinelli as a centre-forward into the team... Perhaps they can become something, but they're they're off. I mean, they've got a long way to go to find a functioning eleven. I think
0: um, possession was fifty one yeah. percent. Tottenham, damn, forty eight percent. it. dominated them. We won order. We won order in the scores and possession. Probably smacked them in next year as well. We did the the triple down.
1: I was a little off. I was a little off, but yeah. I mean, that was my yeah, a
2: lot closer was than I thought we were going to be. I, I misread that one. I think okay. I sort of I didn't pay that much attention to the sort of once we went once we went up, one up. I kind of, like, I knew there weren't any more goals coming because I'd already seen the scoreline and I sort of <laughs> faded out a little bit. So maybe we had a bunch <laughs> towards the end. But yeah, okay.
1: So, um, Huybier, this is from Kino on our Discord. Uh, Huybier said, in post-match, the team needs to bring its attitude and mentality and ability forward every day into training and match days. What are your thoughts on his comments? As I don't see Hjulbye as someone sucked into the Mourinho rhetoric. He seems very much his own person with his own mind. Yes, I I agree. I think he is very much his own person with his own mind. Um a good a good football thinker actually. Hjulbye is he's an intelligent intelligent man. Um Barty, what did you read into these comments about the team needing to bring its attitude and mentality every day into training?
0: I mean, I think first of all I wouldn't align that with Jose's rhetoric. I don't uh-huh. think the two things are related. Um, the other thing I think we need to be careful of is, is drawing conclusions over a, a comment. What he said here is, is pretty obvious that Spurs need to perform whatever they're doing, whether in, in, in a training situation or in a match and I, I think it's fair enough. He's allowed to say, I don't think he's firing shots at anybody. I don't think it's like the Hugo, um, Hugo quote after we lost in the Europa League. I think what Huyberg's saying is what every kind of model professional would say in that situation that Spurs need to perform better across the board um, if they want to achieve stuff. So I, I don't think there's any veiled attack at anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could just be simply that we've beaten Arsenal in this friendly, but let's not get ahead of ourselves.
2: It's, it's mm-hmm. literally just pre season things. It's just he's talking the the pre season language of things people want to hear. I think yeah. I really think it's as much as that.
1: I, I think you uh, could be right. The only thing I would say is I did hear the interview and there was a little there was something to his tone which implied otherwise.
0: Oh. Um I don't think so. I have, I have this theory that um, I haven't explored it. I tried to explore it, but then I just I got lost in, in the amount of newspaper clippings there are. But I have this theory. You could pretty much go back to every single World Cup and find an England player. I use England because it's my primary language. And I look at it. You can find a English player who sat in front of a microphone and said, the, the spirit in the camp is amazing. The, <laughs> the togetherness is incredible. We're really focused. We want to bring it home. And you could go back from every tournament, and it's exactly the same thing. And what Huy said here, you can remove Huy and put Kane, or put, I don't know, Michael Carrick, anybody's name in front of this quote. And it's just like Nathan said, it's the same kind of pre-season match talk. It's the, what the professionals are told to churn out. Fair. What did we think of his uh, little altercation
1: with um, Michael Arteta? Um, that he 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 tried to essentially he wanted to slide and 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 play a pass up the line, but Arteta was too close to the touchline to allow him to do that without absolutely going through him. Um, what did you think of that incident, Buddy?
0: Um, I quite liked it. I mean, you know, the, the the football fan in you wants to see a bit of aggression yeah. and a bit of getting up in their boat and I, I liked it. But plus, I think the fact that Arteta backed away made it even nicer. Um, yeah. It's what, it's what you want to see from Schoenberg. He is, he is a very shouty, pointy person, so it was great to see him do his shouty, pointy stuff. Yeah, I can't disagree. Um,
1: so what are we thinking? What are we thinking about the City game? Um, <laughs> the, the, the line-up at this point, I think, sort of, the team picks itself, I dare say. Sure, so, go ahead. Yeah, uh, okay, got uh, on the spot. Larice. Tanganga, Sanchez, Dyer, Regulon, uh, Skip, Hubia Deli. Not sure which of Skip and Hueybeer holds, maybe Hubia And then. I think Skip. Bergwine, Lucas, Son. But which side Bergwine and Lucas play on, I think, is up for grabs. And Luno's had a look at both of them on the right and both of them on the left. I would probably edge towards Lucas right, Bergvine left. But I would prefer Bergvine on the right, personally. Yeah, that's what I am. Yeah, same with
0: Evan I think so. With um, Loscello introduced, if things aren't going to plan, and perhaps Ori a change at right back if things aren't going to plan. I, I don't. I don't think we've got much else that we can that we could do right now. Well,
2: I, I, apparently, we can pick Kane. Apparently, he is in contention. He he will train with the team once or twice before Sunday, and is therefore available
1: for selection. Do, you do think- not pick Harry Kane. Do not, under any circumstance, pick Harry Kane. Tell me why? Yeah, because he's not been involved in any of our pre so he's not climatised to our tactics approach. He's uh-huh. not up to speed fitness-wise, and he's also been on strike for the last week, <laughs> and he needs to be punished for his terrible behaviour. Despite his ridiculous <laughs> statement, I mean, there there was some ITK today that we've we dropped the idea of fining him. I'm completely against dropping the fine. He should be fined. He didn't turn up. If he if he was meant to turn up, when he turned up. It would have all been shut down very quickly at ten o'clock last Monday morning, but it wasn't. It's been allowed to drag on for a week. There was clearly a problem with uh, what Kane chose to do. You don't. He think should there's... be fined. He should not play this game.
2: You don't think there's any chance that it was just all a big mix-up? Absolutely. Because with the fine dropped and with, with Kane saying that that he would outright saying he would never intend, you know, not train. You don't think that there's any chance that it's all just been a confusion?
1: There is absolutely zero chance that it's all been a confusion. No chance at all. This could have been... The fire could have been put out within minutes and there would have been no rumours, no drama, no questions for Nuno every time he gets in front of a microphone. No hassle, no bother. Kane comes back, everything's rosy. It didn't need to be this way. Uh, This is a choice. This is, you know, Kane's now gone into damage limitation mode and uh, yeah, he needs to be he needs to accept the consequences for his actions. It's just that at the
2: time three-piece Charlie was out getting himself a new decorative motorbike. <laughs> yep.
0: I i think if he's, if he can run and he can walk, <laughs> he goes on the bench at least. Yeah,
1: ben, ben, I'm fine with bench, I'm fine with bench. Well, you, you want but to bring I... him on? <laughs> bring, bring him, him on him to score on. the winner Against his yeah. future club Like <laughs> in, in, in some ways Benching him is more punishment Because you know how much He would want to play If he declares himself fit yeah. Um. I, to be honest I, I I think Scarlett Would be a a fine sub to have We could probably have
0: both On the bench mm. Um. We're allowed nine players On the bench now Let's not put a child on the bench to play against Manchester City. If Harry Kane is available, he goes on the bench, and I would be tempted to play. And plus, it would be proper box office, Wendy. I can't wait to be at the stadium and <laughs> the see drama. Kane. The, the drama, Sky. Can you imagine Sky? I would love it. Um, Such a messy bit, Harry Kane Day. <laughs> Harry Kane Day. I think if he's, I think he, you know, he played the Champions League final when his his legs were in bits. Mm. He's he he was playing in the Euros. Four weeks ago, and he was fine. But he's that's had, why he shouldn't play. He's had a few weeks rest of smashing a golf ball around, and if he's if he's available, then he gets on the squad. And I wouldn't be against him starting because he's Harry Kane, and man scores goals. Windy mm. hmm. plus to see your face as well would be quite nice. I would
1: not be happy with Kane starting at this point. Like I just think it's so that's such a it's so awful in terms of leadership. He's going to come off the, the bench,
2: team. score the winner kiss the badge and everyone's forgiven and everyone's forgotten and it's all back to how it was before
0: exactly football washing winning football matches washes over everything we got they put us they put this whole country through the pandemic every all the bad stuff was happening and they just put football on tv and we just (laughs) forgot about it god
2: we are so stupid
0: Yeah, you know, you seen the gladiator. That's what they do in the gladiator. Just do one hundred days of um of people killing each other and that's we all forget about
1: it. Opiate us up. Yeah. So do you do you genuinely think Kane could start? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no,
0: Being serious, being serious here, being proper extra inch, I don't think so, but the fighting cock in me says fire do- Kane into the starting eleven. And I I don't know about you, but I think
1: um I think we're playing City at a good time. So the reason I say that is they've got lots of uh, fitness issues. So they're not going to have Foden. They're not going to have De Bruyne. They're two of their key creative players. Grealish has only just joined. So he again, he's not acclimatised to their, their tactics, their style. Um, they didn't look all that good against Leicester in the, in the community shields. Um, Leicester sort of showed that <coughs> City in this form are quite easy to play against, quite easy to kind of hold at arm's length. And I'm not saying we're going to beat City because City are really good and have lots of good players, but I think it's a good time to play them and I wouldn't be surprised if we get a draw.
0: I, I think it's the perfect time to play City before they get up to speed, before they got everyone back and they find their rhythm. We saw last season they were susceptible early doors. So I think, yep, if you're going to play City, play them first match of the season. Another, another Bergvine goal against City would be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where Edison was is Edison still on leave because Stefan is an awful goalkeeper
1: <laughs> do, do, do you know what it's like a part of me just knew you were going to go in on Stefan then
0: I just he's, felt he's not good he's really not good and he's he's American yeah it's strange because America's normally pretty decent in sticks but he he's not good at all so shoot. If we play, just shoot. just do, Like like Chelsea did with Gallini, just fire at him. Every time you got the ball, shoot. And that's why Kane should play, because he, he, that's one thing he can do really well. So we've got a couple of questions about transfers.
1: This is from Curtis Blank, who says... Um, actually, it was sent just before Kuti Romero was announced. He said, with the hopefully finalisation of Romero and the talks for the need of another centre-back, should we be looking at a Premier League player or a player with Premier League experience? And who should we be going for? What do you think, Bardi? Do you think, um, alongside Romero, who's obviously coming from a completely different league, do we need to bring in, if we're going to bring someone in, someone with experience in the Premier League?
0: Um, I'm just not sure how much value there is in Premier League players. Your friend, Ben White, I just I don't, I don't, I don't like him too much and he was more expensive than Romero. So... I just think there's a there's a markup on Premier League players, and I, I'm just not willing to play. I think Romero is an excellent defender. Um, had he already been in the Premier League, you'd have to put another twenty thirty million pounds in. So I, I'm quite happy with Spurs going outside of Premier League again.
1: How about you, Nathan? Do you think we need someone with um, leadership qualities, and ideally, should that be someone from within the PL?
2: Definitely, uh, Premier League experience is is overstated and overrated when it comes to transfers. Uh, and I feel similarly about leadership qualities. Um, I think the biggest upside of buying a, a, a a Premier League experienced player is um, like the reduced adjustment time. So the if the idea is you want to bring in two new centre-backs, you want a whole new de- defence essentially, um, then I guess it does make sense to say, okay, we brought in Romero. He's going to take a couple of months to settle in culturally, language-wise, set, finding a new house, you know, all, all of those kind of things therefore the other guy should be someone who lives nearby Mm -hmm. (laughs) it won't take us long to adjust etc so it does make sense in that aspect um but then the premium that you're paying for a premier league player is so enormous i don't think it hardly covers that i would have to say like who (laughs) like some the 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 one premier league center back i was really interested in when i when it was looking like we might sell Harry Kane for a huge amount of money, was Fafana and he's had his ankle oh, like separated guy. into a, a whole different village. So, like, I don't know, I don't know who, I don't know who would be your man, Ben White well, <laughs> is the, Arsenal. The, the, the
1: link is Connor Cody. No man, come on!
2: No, he's 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 fine. Like he's fine. He's he does he, he he's you know a former midfielder who sits behind the defense and pings long diagonal balls, and he's okay with his head. But like that's not like a that's not a top six. That's not a Champions League level defender. Come on.
0: <laughs> he's um he's Eric Dyer but without Duolingo. He's just not, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like him. Man. The other one that often gets talked about is Nathan Ake. And just, no way. I just God, He's no just way. been through way too many injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, Laporte would be interesting, but I still yes. i am not 100% sold on him. So maybe Laporte and Romero could be something quite exceptional. But obviously that would mean losing Kane. And I'm not sure I'm willing to take that um, take that hit right now.
1: I, I like Laporte. I mean, so I, I kind of agree generally with the point about leadership qualities. However, I do make exceptions for centre-backs because I think... It's one of those positions where having the ability to organise and talk is so important and you need one of your centre-backs to be sort of quite dominant in that respect. Uh, Romero comes in not speaking English. Um, That's not going to help in terms of organising a backline. He's also incredibly young. So I'm going to play a little game with you both. I'm going (laughs) to play... Guess how old Christian Romero is in relation to other members of our squad. Uh, Do you think... Kuti Romero is older or younger than Tongi Ndombele? Uh, younger? Yeah, he's younger than Ndombele. One year? Uh, is that
2: too specific to ruin uh, the rest of the game? Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay. Do, you, do you think he's <laughs> older or younger than Stephen Berkvine? Uh, is he the same age as Stephen Burkevine? Um He's close in age to Stephen Bergvine. Oh, he is on. younger than Stephen Berkvine. Okay. Hmm. Do you think he's older or younger than Joe Roden? <laughs>
0: um, he, he's younger. Joe Roden's older than, than um, Romero. He is younger than Joe Roden. Yeah. Do you
1: think he's younger or older than Cameron Carter <laughs> <laughs> Car- Vickers? He's younger than Cameron Carter Vickers. He's younger than Cameron Carter Vickers. So, do you think he's younger or older than Alfie Whiteman? He's older than Whiteman.
0: Yeah, for he's sure. He's
1: just older than Alfie Whiteman. He's, he's, he's six months older than Alfie Whiteman. Um, yeah, this is a young footballer. He's six months younger than Roden and Bergvine, uh, eight months younger than Ndombele. This is a young player. He's played one, he's played a couple of seasons at the top level, but like one elite season. I personally think it would not be a bad thing to have a sort of more experienced talker leader alongside him. Um, I, I, especially if you're going to play like Tommy Yasu, who's also young, at uh, right back, um, Regalon's not like the most vocal of of fullbacks, so I think it'll be helpful, and I can see why Dyer has been um, getting some matches. In preseason, because he is a leader, he's a talker, he's someone who organises. We saw him against Arsenal, marshalling the the backline a lot of the game. He was the one with the responsibility to to do that. I mean, so if, I you
0: play, um, if you play if you play Reggie on Sanchez Romero, most of your backline speak Spanish anyway, so English could not. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's
1: a good matter. point. That's
0: a good point. That's a is going to have to um, just just muddle through.
1: Yeah, I and what's Tomiyasu's English like? I've got no idea. How, how well he speaks English, I presume. He'll speak Italian, because he's been playing in, in Italy. Um, and I guess Romero speaks Italian. Yep. Or some Italian, at least. Um, Aaron says, Why do we see, time and time again, big clubs dishing out huge money on players like the 100 million plus on Lukaku, for example, where there are plenty of examples of, of ways to spend money smarter? Nathan, why is that the case? (laughs) Because they're really stupid. You cannot
2: overestimate football clubs. Like, I don't know how many times it needs to be made incredibly clear. The people who run football clubs, and okay, we'll do this. Not just football clubs, but major corporations are not smart people. We do not live in a meritocracy, right? The, The people who are chairmen of... And not entirely there are a handful of exceptions you will find them um, but the vast majority of, of owners of, of major clubs have stumbled into them by accident and will sign players because an agent has sent them a YouTube compilation having ignored what their scouts have to say, that's why that's the main reason why
1: Nathan, why do you hate Lukaku so much?
2: I don't hate Lukaku. I think Lukaku is brilliant. That's my entire point. He was incredible. He was incredible when Chelsea sold him for thirty million. They should have kept him. They should have kept him then. That's my point. Not that he isn't great now. He is great now. He was also great then. That's the stupidity of of, of, you know a club like Chelsea is is selling Lukaku in the first place.
1: The thing is, they can afford to do this, can't they? That's the well, yeah. That's the disgusting fact about the situation. They can afford to go, okay, maybe he's not good enough now, sell 30 million. Oh, he's definitely good enough now, buy 100 million. And that 70 million means nothing to them.
2: And then on the books say they turn a profit. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, there's Lukaku's very, very good player. He's a very good player. And if you're Chelsea and you need something instant, who's just going to slot it straight away, then it kind of makes sense for them. Um, the same kind of way that City went with Grealish it's not a, they've got plenty of players to develop and everything else they, they're just going out and buying a ready-made product and I think that's what what's happened if you if you're going to make a if you're going to make a dish you could probably make home make a curry for cheaper than going out and buying a pre-made Marks and Spencer's ready meal so that's the kind of thing these big clubs they just want to throw in a player and not worry about it whereas Spurs and Leicester, for example, they well not Spurs, ignore Spurs, but Leicester, <laughs> for example, are willing to go and explore and, and try out other players rather than just going for the complete dish. Yeah, but I think hundred million on Lukaku is good money, and I think um, I think Chelsea will probably win the league this year because of that. Same, yeah. I mean, I think he could win in the league definitely.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I
0: think they're already
1: on track too, and they've, yeah. they've got a ridiculously strong squad, ridiculously strong yeah it's it's um I agree a good signing for them, despite the what seems on paper like a, a crazy fee um one more and then we will and then we will wrap it up uh so this is from Sheek bomb who says tactics question here, so I guess for Nathan but also Bardi, given Italy's influence here, and thank you, Shek Bomb. I mean for goodness sake, what am I just the administrator of this podcast. <laughs> Uh, is there a structural reason That three at the back Has been so successful recently Just looking at teams like Two calls Chelsea Inter at- Atalanta Brighton Italian national team Leipzig at times The English national team at times It seems like Three at the back teams Are defensively really solid But also Have good ball progression From wing backs And good chance creation um, Who wants to go first On that one
0: I mean Nathan can go first But I just, I'd, quite, I'd just note That Italy won The Euros with a back four Not a back three
2: wow (laughs) uh okay yeah The, the short answer despite getting that bit wrong is uh is yes basically um so i linked i put an article an old article of mine from 2018 2017 maybe uh in the discord channel we can tweet it out as well um the videos have disappeared from for copyright reasons from the article and and the <laughs> formatting is weird and my writing has developed a little bit since then uh but but basically basically the answer is yes right um so most teams defend in a 442 or a variation of that and then 433 is like uh, is the opposite is like the for like is the shadow of the light of 442 is the opposite numbers in the opposite places um and therefore creates triangles naturally it creates a series of 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 passing lanes around the outside of the 442 um so the article goes into sort of greater depth about why that is and how that is in the 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 chronology of that um but that is the short answer
1: I think what tends to happen is you, you get fashion with formations, you get fashionable formations. That's true, too. Um, yeah. And you, you then have managers who are sort of slightly braver and break the mold and, and go against the fashion because they've identified a weakness in the fashionable formation that a different formation can can exploit. Um, so 4 3 one became the En Vogue formation, what, 10 years ago now, something like that? Four two three one with inverted wingers, maybe longer than four, ten years ago. It's, it certainly feels like it's been around forever. Uh, then a few years ago, three four three became very much in vogue. Uh, Spurs were rolling out three four three all over the place, and, and that stuck around quite a bit. Lots of teams are using three four three now, but. You also get lost in four-two-three-one. You get still get loads of 4-2-3-1. and they, as Nathan explains, when you have a four-three-three, three-four-three um, 4, 3 against a 4-2-3-1, you get some interesting tactical conundrums, and managers can try and use tactics and formations to uh, get around player ability being the deciding factor between two teams, uh, and and that's why it's uh, that's why it's stuck around.
0: It does have some advantages. It's very difficult to press free. If you've got three good center backs, very difficult to press. It does allow you to push your wing backs really high and create overloads there. It's a very strong formation. It can be, it can be beaten. It can be beaten. Conte's four, uh, Conte's three at the back formation, three, five, two, however, however you want to call it. It, it can become very predictable and there are ways yeah. to, to, to close it down and, and end it. So it does lack the variety, but it is a strong formation. I, I, wanted Spurs to play three at the back for quite some time, but now I'm back to 4-3-3. I'm fully wedded to that.
2: Bielsa, when he plays um, against a back four, which he does most of the time, he plays with a back three. And when he plays against a back three, he plays with a back four. He's always looking for that opposite. He's always looking for... Mm. Um, he's So if you play matching formations, you're playing man-to-man. And when you play um dismatching <laughs> when you play when you play the opposite, you're matching men to space and then the opposite space to men, right? And that's the idea. So um if if you uh, lots of teams play in a way where they want to match player to player and, and, and lots of other clubs want to match to space. And so uh, what you're looking for there is going to depend on on the style of football that you're playing, basically. But that's why it's popular. It's because you get those you get divisions. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, and and it's inter- It's always interesting when sort of new innovations on an old style mm-hmm. um, come into play, and that's that's why Chris Wilder's Sheffield United were were briefly quite fascinating because they played they played a, a, a back three with wing backs, but then the centre backs made overlapping runs, and that was really that was really interesting. It's the first time we'd seen that for a long time. I mean, it was possibly the first time I remember seeing that ever, to be honest, in the Premier League. Um but yeah, I love I love that. And um, there will be new in- innovations this season, I'm sure. There'll be something new. There always is. Um and then it catches on and becomes popular, fashionable and uh and then teams find each other out and they, they're stalemates and someone will have to try something different again. It's just how football evolves.
0: I mean I do think we'll see a different Premier League this season because of the there's been a long pre season. It hasn't we haven't gone straight from COVID into a football season i think I think the games would definitely be more interesting i think the uh, the home factor the home crowds being back will again have an influence on games. I think last season it was um it's like it was almost it was a bit it was a bit sterile which suited some teams. It's like mm. a Wimbledon when they put the roof on and you play Federer back in the day. He was incredible because there was no there was no wind. There was no there was no factors that could affect his game. But now with the crowds back, that might have um yeah, I think it would definitely have an impact on on, on home versus away again. Nice. Um I'm interested in whether either of you want to make any
1: predictions for the coming season um buddy we've already sort of talked about Chelsea and their potential to win the league. Hmm. Uh, are there any other teams that you kind of think we should watch out for or teams that, at the other end of the
0: table that you think might struggle?
1: I think Liverpool might
0: struggle this season. I think Manchester United will have a uh, a misfiring season but still do enough to to walk third place. I think fourth place is is open. I think fourth place is definitely open in the league and I, I, I sh- we should be aiming for that.
1: Nice, Vardy, well, what do you think of Leicester's chances? I know you're, you're always quite That's down on Leicester
0: No, no, I don't think Vardy I saw, I think it was um, um, Oli Saylor today on, on Twitter posted, he does his hot take for the years, Vardy won't get more than 10 goals and I, I've got to agree with that, I think a lot will fall on Ian um, yeah, Nacho's shoulders, I just I just don't see it with Leicester I think. Um, yeah, Daka looks good, <laughs> this is the thing Daka looked good against City, I thought He is he came good, on. He's, he's, really he's a very good player Possibly, but I I just think the way they've just designed themselves around Vardy will just, it just won't work for them. I think they're going to have a a hard time this year. I think
2: the bigger issues are the injuries that they've had to the situation with the defence. They've bought really well and they've bought really Mm -hmm. interestingly. Um, but um, Samari, they've had a they've had a harsh time with with mm. what's going on at the back, and that's going to at least force them to have a very slow start. So I think that maybe uh, a poor first half of the season and then a strong second half of the season for Leicester.
1: They should spend thirty million on Eric Dyer, don't you think? <laughs> I think anyone should definitely <laughs> do that. Please. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I always I always like Brendan Rodgers' teams. I think they're sort of I think they're pretty strong to be honest. Yeah. I think any team, as long as they can keep Ndidi fit, I think they're very, they're very strong. Um, I also think Barnes is going to have a strong, strong season this year. I mean, he looked good last year, but with another year under his belt, he's a player that can shoot with either, either foot with um, equal power. And he's got this forward momentum that I just really admire. And I think he's someone who could um, break into the England squad in time. Um, Nathan, how about you? Which teams do you think we need to look out for and any you think might struggle? Uh Brentford have an interesting squad. Ooh. I
2: don't know about them sort of cracking top eight. <laughs> but then sometimes you get you have a night over squads like that and then they get relegated, so uh, who knows? Um yeah. I don't know, who are the who are the other relegation candidates who struggled last season. Who Oh, Palace are really interesting. So Palace have like got this really, really old squad that has debilitated over like five years because they've kept hold of Zaha, winning 80 million for him, which no one's ever been close to meeting. And... And then it, this year and last year, they're like, "Oh, I guess we should do something about that." And they bought really, mm. really well, mm-hmm. but they that bought says, yeah. they bought really, really late. So they have to like they kind of have to do the Spurs after bail thing of like integrating seven first team players in the hopes of completely revitalizing the squad. And Hodgson has left, and the new manager is
1: Vieira. Vieira.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's 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 a cursed job for him. Uh, so you know, good to see another ex Arsenal manager struggling. I I really like their agreement. I it's think. been it's been great, but like, is it enough or is it too much or
1: what's the timing? How are they just all go together it, at once? It totally depends on how quickly Vieira adapts to being a Premier League manager, um, and that's the. That's a coin toss, but I, honestly, I think the squad's good enough to keep them up. I think it's a, a quality young squad now. Um, really impressed. I, I like the fact that they added Conor Gallagher as well to that because he looked good for West Brom last year. And, and they did last mm-hmm. year. They they started lacking legs in the middle of midfield. That's why they've got rid of um, McCarthy. And I th- I, I think McCarthy's passed it now as well. So oh, I, I I thought um, yeah, I thought Gallagher was a, a smart bit of business for Palace. And I wouldn't be. I mean, Eze coming back as quickly as possible would be a helpful the blonde yes. one. Yes, yeah, ex yeah. well, Chelsea, on Cully. loan. Yeah, he's on loan. Oh, bastards. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think parts will be okay. I'm, um, I'm interested in Brentford too. I think Villa. I think Villa are strong. I fancy Villa to to trouble the top seven. To be honest, even without Grealish, I think they've bought really well.
0: Um, I think they're going to have a hard time. Getting everyone to gel, and I could see that they've made some on paper some interesting signings, ones that should work. But I, I don't know. I think it's going to take a long time for them to gel, and I, I'm just not that confident in them. Mm. I think Spurs being relatively untroubled and kind of keeping the squad together might might serve us well this season. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm pretty I'm pretty hopeful about what we can achieve. I, I definitely think top six is on for Spurs. or like fancy fourth or fifth, depending on whether Kane stays or not. Um, I, I think Norwich are in. Big trouble, really big trouble. I I, I think Norwich will finish bottom. Now Watford have got a good defence. Whether they've got enough goals in them, I'm not convinced. I think they could end up going down because they don't score enough. And then um, Southampton and Newcastle. Southampton losing Ings is huge. I, I don't think that can be understated. I think that is an enormous loss for them. And um, I reckon it will be between Southampton and Newcastle for, for the uh, final relegation spot. You've been this thing to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, The Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.